Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Lightning fans, you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this season preview edition of the Lightning Insider Podcast. I'm Eric Erlinson alongside my co-host, Greg Lanelli from Lightning Power Play. Glad you're with us here as we get set for opening night and beyond the Chicago Blackhawks in town for a nationally televised game on Wednesday. That'd be tonight if you're listening to it the day we record it. But either way, uh, we'll get you set for that game. Some cap gymnastics we'll have to discuss with you guys because there was a lot of that going on and it just proves how much of a capologist Julian Breezebois is. We'll talk about some lineup decisions, including the defense pairings, which were very interesting in the day before the season opener uh, and whatever else happens to come to mind as we get you set for the lightning season, the 2020 21 season right here on the lightning insider podcast. And with that, I will bring in my good friend from lightning power play, Greg Linnelli. Greg, how are things? E things are well getting ready for this game, which I think for a lot of us who are finally excited to see this lightning team back on the ice, even though no fans will be watching in person. And eh, quite frankly, I don't know how many people are going to be watching it uh, on TV. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we might get into that too. Hopefully people will be listening if they can. But uh, I think a lot of people are just excited that they're back and you know actually a good time to be a i think just a, a tampa bay sports fan in general a lot of a lot of buzz going on in the city which is always a good thing and of course it happens to come in a year when nobody can be in person to watch them but that's usually how it works right? <laughs> that's, that's a different type of topic um let's just jump right into the big news that came out earlier in the week as the lightning were setting up their roster and some of the cap gymnastics as Julian Breezebois doing his best Simone Biles impersonation uh, maneuvering his way around the floor exercise of you will if you will of the cap situation of course we know Tyler Johnson and Luke Shen were both placed on waivers uh, that doesn't mean that the team doesn't want them it's it's not that I know some people perceive that to be the case uh, especially since Tyler Johnson was put on waivers uh, back in October when that was a different situation when they were looking to shed some cap space this was actually a move used to create some cap space uh, and to kind of catch you up on everything uh, both players did clear waivers and what the move did and uh, Greg you have to have a law degree to figure out a lot of this stuff but basically by putting Tyler Johnson and Luke Shen on waivers and assigning them to the taxi squad and then signing Boo Nieves who they did sign they put themselves up so close to the salary cap ceiling to start the year I believe the exact number I was reading somebody's uh, tweet it was $334 shy 
of the ceiling, which is going to maximize their available amount of long-term injury relief because of the contracts of Nikita Kucherov, of Marion Gabarik, and Anders Nilsson. This is actually going to create some cap space that they might be able to utilize down the road. But boy, what a complicated, convoluted, hard-to-explain mess this was for a couple days. I had people texting me today. Hey, Greg, can you explain this salary cap situation? I said, no, I can't. (laughs) I said, you know, look, Julian Breezewell did a pretty good job, I think, of explaining it. Uh, All I took from it was they're cap compliant and they're going to be okay. (laughs) Outside of that with the numbers, you're right. I mean, I, you know, I was reading lightninginsider.com today and, you know, you try and uh, listen to Julian and, and, hear all the numbers he's throwing out. I mean, you have to have some smart people behind the scenes dealing with this cap. And the fact that they're able to maximize it to the best of their abilities, really without fracturing their roster too much, I think is pretty impressive. Now, there are people that get paid to do that. So that's their job. Good for them. And I, I think that's put them in a pretty good situation here to be to be relevant from that standpoint. But um I think a lot of fans start scratching their heads. And then, you know, I saw on Twitter a couple of people either, they're, they're really breaking it down. They're like, is it really hundreds of thousands of dollars? I actually, my calculation was $50,000 under the cap. And I'm like, eh, you know, <laughs> let's, let's leave that to Julian and company because I think, you know, that's, that's their expertise. But regardless, I think the only thing I took from that was also too, Tyler Johnson won't be able to play opening night. Yep. And same for Luke Shen, but also Cal Foot will be, most likely in the lineup. And, you know, I think those are pretty interesting developments. I think also too, how does Tyler Johnson feel about this whole situation? I think is an interesting dynamic, not that he would ever divulge too much about that, but these guys are human beings. And this is the second time he has been put on waivers. Yeah. And, and it's the second time Luke Shen's been put on waivers. Remember he started the year last year in Syracuse. He did not start the yeah. season with them on this roster. He actually, I think he actually cleared waivers twice. I think he was placed on waivers uh, later in the year as well. Uh, and again, cap maneuvering uh, that they were doing. He never actually went to Syracuse that second time. But I mean, that's, that's a valid question. I know somebody will, we'll get into some of the fan questions here in a little bit, but um, that was mentioned, you know, are there hard feelings that Tyler Johnson might have for this? And uh, first of all, the reason why Tyler Johnson and Luke Shannon are not available for opening night, uh, another part of this convoluted mess. It used to be in previous years that whatever roster you submitted to the league on the day that rosters were due, in this case it was Tuesday at 5 p.m., you you could make changes to that roster 24 hours later. They've changed the rule this year. The NHL and the NHLPA felt that some teams were sort of circumventing the cap a little bit, and honestly, that's what they were doing, and that's kind of what Julian Breesbaugh is here doing too. It is legal, but they've changed the rule that if you make a roster move within 24 hours of submitting that initial roster, the league will take that second roster and utilize that and call that your official roster, which would, of course, change the entire dynamics of the salary cap situation that they uh, put forth. So therefore Tyler Johnson and Luke Shen can't play in the season opener. The irony there is if they played on Thursday, both of them would be able to play, but because they played within 24 hours or 24 hours after the, the rosters were due to the league, neither of those players can play in the season opener. So to explain that part uh, of it as well, but it is a legitimate concern in some ways that, if Tyler Johnson was placed on waivers in October to help create cap space, we know that 
he was asked to submit a list of teams because he does have a full no trade clause. Like from a human being standpoint, he probably felt the finger was being pointed at him. You're the guy we have to get rid of. And, and that we know that's not the sentiment. It's not that they want to get rid of him, but they had to make some moves and he was just the guy that they were kind of looking at. Um, so, but you know, there, you can't tell me that doesn't affect you in some ways. This one's a little different though. And, and knowing this staff and this management staff, even going back to the days of Steve Eiserman, they're very upfront with their players. There, there's no surprises here from the players. So there's, there's no way Julian didn't go to both Tyler Johnson and Luke Shannon and say, Hey, look, this is what we have to do. Uh, this does not mean that we don't want, we don't want you, but we're doing it to create this, to make ourselves a better team. I think in that situation, it's a little bit easier to handle. Uh, and look, Tyler Johnson does know also that he's going to have an expanded role on this team. He's going to be on the power play. He's going to be on the second line uh, when he's able to come back in game two. But you just do wonder, would there be that little itch in the back of his head? You know, there's a lot to digest with what you just said. Let me, let me throw the, the Luke Shen scenario first before we get into Tyler Johnson. It, I think Luke Shen is, is pretty far removed from being a top four defenseman in this league. And so I think the role he's in right now, seeing him kind of bounce around over the last few years, being put on waivers, I think he probably understands what he is in this league. And that shouldn't be a surprise. Let's put it that way. Uh, maybe five, six years ago, E, seven years ago. Yeah, that would be big news. But Luke Shen, I think at this point, is a competent depth defenseman and I think he understands that does it hurt your ego a bit yeah maybe but I, I think he's been in the league long enough he understands that this is this is what he is I think with Tyler Johnson it's a bit different Tyler Johnson plays with a chip on his shoulder he's still in the prime of his career he believes and I think for the most part on any other team he'd probably be a, a top six forward and I, I think when you take a look at Johnson moving forward this season is not only about the Lightning winning another cup, E. I think this season is Tyler Johnson proving to everybody else next year that he is mm -hmm. not only an established player in the prime of his career, but whoever acquires him, and I, I, I do think this is his last year in Tampa, you're getting a guy who could be a captain. And I think how he handles this situation has a productive year, He's playing for a lot of different reasons than just Tampa Bay winning a cup. And I think that can motivate him to play with that chip on his shoulder to say, all right, anybody who gets me next year, you're getting a really good player who's got some tremendous leadership qualities. And I've got to look at it that way. Because if you don't and you look at it and you feel sorry for yourself, next thing you know, Tyler Johnson's on the fourth line and we're scratching our heads. Why does he only have two goals through 25 games? Yep. Yeah, I, I can – look, I, to get to know Tyler Johnson a little bit, the one thing you understand about Tyler Johnson, he's a winner, right? Yes. Like, I don't know how many players can say this. I, I don't think I've ever seen this number brought up. But this is a player who has won a Memorial Cup in junior hockey. Yeah. He's won a gold medal at the World Junior Championship. He's won a Calder Cup in the American Hockey League. And now he adds the Stanley Cup to his resume. That's a pretty impressive resume, uh, even for a player who's 30 years old. And, you know, you, you can talk about his size and, you know, some of the hits, sometimes the smaller players tend to wear down a little bit quicker than the bigger players uh, in this league. He has a drive in him to succeed and he's had 
a ton of success. So as long as he has the type of year that we know he's capable of, remember just two years ago, he had 27 even strength goals for this yeah. team. 27. That's an impressive number uh, for, for Tyler Johnson. If I think he finished with 29. So um, you add that if he has a good year and teams will look at his pedigree and what he can bring in. I mean, he has that championship pedigree now that he can add a Stanley cup. He has Stanley cup experience. We've talked about this the last couple of years, how important it is to have that in your locker room, right? It's something that we talked about with this team in 2019 when they got swept by Columbus. Well, they didn't have any Stanley Cup experience. Nobody's won a cup in that room. Uh, you know, they bring in Pat Maroon, and maybe that was the X factor that brought him over the thing. Tyler Johnson could be that player for any other team. And the other thing to think about with him looking towards next offseason, whenever that happens to be, we expect it to be the summer. His no trade is a modified no trade. It makes it a little bit easier to move him. Plus, you have the expansion draft as well. So uh, I'm with you. I agree that this is probably his last year in a Lightning uniform. Uh, and I think he's going to want to go out uh, and, and prove to himself and everybody else that he can still play in this league. The question, I think, for Johnson, outside of the ones we raise, which we don't know. I mean, I, I think he's going to be fine mentally. I think he's going to play with a chip on his shoulder, and that should lead to consistent play, but time will tell. I think the question really with Johnson also is how productive will he be on the wing compared to being a centerman? And how much time does he get on the power play and how impactful? Because I actually think the power play is maybe what's going to drive his offensive production more so than being on a second line. I think it's pretty well documented. Much better centerman than he is winger. But you're not going to bump Sorelli from that center position. Now, they could interchange at times. But I'm curious what you think. I, I think the power play and his shooting mentality, especially with Kucherov being out, to me is where he really can make a difference during this regular season. Yeah, we'll see where he ends up on that power play, too. He, he started out uh, early in camp, which was just last week, um, in the bumper spot on the number one, number one power play unit with Braden Point out of the circle. And then he was moved to the, the second power play unit over on the left circle you know, to utilize that right-handed shot. So we'll see what they come up with, with the schemes for him. Uh, but, but I think the one thing, and, and I'm talking to a couple of people, that, yeah, Tyler Johnson wants to play center. Yeah. But I think he's at the point now he understands he has to play wing. He has yeah. to. So, right. you know, you, you can, if, if you're a player and you sit there and think, okay, I'm a center, but you have to realize that that's not the role you're being asked to play on this team. I think he's to that point now that he know he understands he's going to have to play wing. And the only player that you could kind of say, maybe he would, he could bump out of a center position would be Yanni Gord. We know we've seen plenty of Yanni Gord play on the wing, but you're not breaking up that line with him, Barkley Goodrow and Blake Coleman, at least to start the year. You're going to see if they can kind of recreate some of that chemistry that they had in the playoffs. So the only way for him to get quality minutes is going to be on the wing. And I think unless, he that. Yeah. And it's a good point. You mentioned Coleman, unless they really get intrigued by him moving up in a top six role, because we saw that a bit last year. And I think the, the thinking coming in with Blake Coleman was he was going to be this 20 goal scorer that yes, could provide grit, but you know, some people thought he was going to be used in a top six role. I think he's very well served playing on that third line. I think you talk about the scoring depth, you've got two 20-goal scorers on that third line in Gord and Coleman, and then you've got Goodrow, who played maybe some of his best hockey of his career during the playoffs, also on that line. But John Cooper likes to mix things up. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you start to see some guys slump a bit in that top six role, 
I think you could see Blake Coleman move up, and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some moments where Johnson and Coleman interchanged a bit. And Because I think there is that intrigue still with Blake Coleman now, another full year here in the Lightning organization. What do you have out of a guy like that? I think that's it's good to have those options, but it's something to keep an eye on. Well, and it's something we talked about with this team for a couple of years. They have so many interchangeable guys, right? Like you, you can move anybody up and down the lineup. You can move Yanni Gordon into a top six role. You can move Blake Coleman into a top six role. Uh, you, you know, we're going to see Matthew Joseph in a top six role, at least for the season opener uh, with Tyler Johnson. Now it looks like he's going to get that shot on the right side with Anthony Sorelli and Alex Kalorn. So there's a lot of interchangeable guys uh, in this lineup. And, um, you know, in an abbreviated camp, um, I'm interested to see how much patience John Cooper has with the line combinations yeah. um, to start the season because there's not a lot of time. They do get one – I don't want to call this a bonus. It's a bonus for Tampa Bay fans because Sunday's game against the Dallas Stars has been postponed. That means it's not going to interfere with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in their playoff game against the New Orleans Saints. So there's a little bit of a silver lining in the fact that the Lightning aren't going to play on Sunday. So they get, they're actually going to get an extra day worth of practice uh, probably out of this that they normally wouldn't have had. Uh, so they'll, they'll be able to reevaluate after these two, ga- two games against Chicago and then kind of see where things are at. Uh, but I do want to touch on uh, the Dallas situation with you, Greg, because I think this is yeah. a um, warning sign. This is a red flag, I think, going up. Look, we've seen Major League Baseball deal with what they did over the summer. Uh, we know what the NFL has gone through. Uh, the NBA is going through some of it right now. And the season hasn't even started for the NHL. And you already had one team shut down their camp for, I think they were shut down on Friday. They actually had some players return to practice uh, today being Tuesday. But they had 17 players, not, not 17 staff members, players, 17 players test positive for COVID. The league released the numbers. There's a total of 27 players since December 30th which is when some of the other teams open up their camp. Uh, we saw Vancouver is going to be without JT Miller uh, for a couple of weeks uh, because he either tested positive for COVID or he was around somebody with COVID. They had to shut down their practice. Pittsburgh had to shut down theirs. Columbus had 17 players absent. It, it begs the question, and we've already, it's already been affected before the season started with the Dallas situation. How are they going to be able to fit 56 games into this compressed schedule if you have to start reshuffling things around? You know, initially my gut reaction is they don't. And do we see the playoffs kind of be extended in each division like we saw last year? Is that what you do to try and make this year, kind of like last year, get through it and really set this up to be back on track next year? Next year, I'm assuming... You know, the vaccines are going to be readily available to everybody. And from that standpoint, you should be protected. More protocols will be in place. We're more educated at that point on how to deal with something like this. And I think fans would probably feel a bit more comfortable in a setting where there's a lot of people compared to still maybe even this year where uh, at times you can be a little gun shy. I think that's a legitimate question. I think there's legitimate questions if the lighting will even play on Tuesday against Dallas, you know, so you could have a situation where you play Wednesday, Friday, and then you're not playing again until Thursday, Saturday. The other thing too, is you're playing a lot of games in a short amount of time. And if you're trying to make up these games towards the end, what does that schedule look like? And I I think 
the league might have given themselves a little buffer towards the end of the season E from when the, the season ends and when the draft begins where maybe you could still delay or, or move back some of the games to make up what you lost. I also think, too, it's an interesting thing we can, we can ask. When you have 16 or 17 players test positive, obviously you're, you're going to probably cancel the game. I mean, that's yep. just you can't field a big enough team. But I'm curious when you start losing, let's say, a couple of players, two, three, four, maybe even five or six, what is cancel worthy and what is not? Does it all come down to how many of you guys you have on the taxi squad? And that's basically what it was used for that, you know, you can have a minimum or a maximum of five players out, let's say, with COVID and you still could field a team because your taxi squad has that amount of players and you're ready to go. Uh, what if you get to six or seven? Um, what is the NHLE willing to stomach in terms of not canceling a game when a number of players, maybe not 15 or 16, but let's say seven or eight have it. Do you continue on with the game or do you start canceling it even at those numbers? I think that's a, an interesting call because we could be in a situation where you could be canceling a few games every week. Yeah. I get the sense that they're going to try and plow through it. Um, because that's what Major League Baseball did. You know, they had the situations with the Cardinals and the Marlins early on in their season. Now, it, the, the virus wasn't running as rampant as it is now across North America, like especially states like ours in Texas and, and that that's, uh, aspect. Uh, but I, I just get the sense that they're going to do that. And, and look, there's precedent here too, because there have been teams that have been sa in salary cap situations where they've actually had to dress less than the number that you that you normally would dress. Normally, we know it's 18 skaters and two goalies. There's been teams that have had to play games with fewer than that because yeah. of cap situations. So there is a precedent for that. Uh, I was reading, uh, I don't know if it was Elliot Friedman's 31 Thoughts or somewhere else, I read it, that the league is not willing to set a number yet. They don't want to try and, and set that number and say this is a minimum you have to play with because they don't want teams to have to um, go, you know, four games in a week and only have to play with 16 players if that's the case. But that's what the taxi squads are there for. for. And, and I am curious to see how teams handle this because I was reading that the Boston Bruins are going to try and keep Tuka Rask and Yara Halak away from each other so that if one happens to be a close contact, the other one won't be. Like they're only holding meetings to 10 minutes and they're going to do other meetings virtually and all that kind of stuff. I'm curious to see if you keep the taxi squad away from the main team. It, that's tough to ask of them. You want them to practice with the main group, but will they keep them isolated at other areas of the rink? We know that they're going to have to be on the same plane because they're traveling with them. Um, you know, they're going to be in the same hotel, but everybody's yeah. going to have their own room. So nobody's sharing rooms this year. Hey, good for the rookies. They don't have to share a room with anybody this year. Uh, so I'm curious to see how teams handle that to try and prevent a situation like that. And maybe what happened with Dallas, what happened with Columbus and Pittsburgh and Vancouver, maybe that's sort of something that kind of changes some teams mindset on that to keep players away from each other as much as possible when it's possible. You know, that's an interesting point. I didn't even think of that. And, and it probably makes more sense for Boston to do something like that because they do basically split their goaltenders down the middle yep. during the regular season. I'm curious if, let's say, Tuka Rask was the clear-cut number one. And let's face it, once they get to the playoffs, he's been the guy. But in the regular season, like, for instance, here in Tampa Bay, we were talking about this on the last podcast. I don't think the Lightning are going to do something like that. 
think Vasilevsky is going to play the majority of the games. And McElhinney, uh, according to Brian Engblom as well, uh, I had him on the show the other day. He said he's looked great. He's looked great. Does yeah, that mean yeah. he's going to see more time? I don't know. I, I have a tendency to think that, that Vasilevsky is going to play as many games as they want him to play within reason. But for a team like the Islanders or a team like Boston and some of these other teams that basically have goalie 1A and 1B, is that a strategy you implement to keep them away from each other, maybe more so than you would, out of fear that you may have to overexpose a player, a goaltender, if the other one's sick? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I would seriously consider it. <laughs> and honestly, if I was the Tampa Bay Lightning, I consider keeping Victor Hedman away as much as I can too, because that's the one guy in the lineup you can't afford to lose for two weeks in the shortened season, right? If he has to quarantine or or separate for 14 days, yeah, it, it, it's curious, and it just it just sort of tells us the challenges that the league is going to have to get through this season. And you know, Bill Daly and Gary Bettman were on a conference call with reporters um, the other day, and that's they basically said that they understand that their, their issues are going to come up. Even John Cooper has said, we know it's almost inevitable that we're not going to do it. We are, we are asking our players. Yeah. We're doing everything we can to try and make sure because in a shortened season, you can't afford to lose players for an extended period of time. You know, they're asking their players to be, to follow these protocols, to adhere to these protocols uh, as much as you can be disciplined. You know, we saw it in the summer, right? Like we saw it in the summer, when cases were starting to surge here in Florida, the Lightning had to shut down their camp for a couple of days because they had, what, four players and two staff members test positive during the um, phase two protocols, which was voluntary workouts that the players could go through. And then even when the teams reported for camp, I think there were 10 total cases around the league. But by the time they got to the bubble, there were zero. So there were zero before they got to it. So the protocols can work. It's a different situation here because players are getting on planes or staying in hotels. There's travel involved, but the protocols can work. You just have to have trust in the players and everybody involved that they're going to adhere to them and not be the one guy who risks it for everybody. And I think that's fair. I think the other thing too is I'm pretty sure the players didn't once and wouldn't agree to play this year if they were in a bubble, correct? Correct. And then and the, the league even said so, that, that wasn't even a consideration. So, but, but I think the fact that that wasn't even a consideration, I think everybody probably looked at it and said, all right, listen, you want to play this year and you don't want to be in a bubble? You've got you've to be responsible because we've seen, you know, the bubble, you can make the case it worked really well, you know, last year. And yeah, it, it, it kind of did. And maybe the league was tempted to do that, but they got a lot of pushback from players and I'm sure agents that that's just not going to happen. All right, so you don't want to play in a bubble, then all of you are going to have to be responsible this year. And if that means not going out, if that means adhering to strict guidelines we implement to pull this thing off, then you've got to do it. Because, you know, as far as I'm concerned, Gary Bettman was talking about, you know, it would have been easy to shut this whole thing down uh, this year and not play because we would be uh, losing a ton of money by playing in, in some ways. You know, having a bubble might have created an atmosphere where you know, things were a little bit more secure and maybe you had fans in the stands because you, you controlled that environment a, a bit more. The fact that they don't have that really, I think puts the onus on organizations and specifically the players E to be, do just that, to be very responsible because the other option would have been a, a bubble. 
Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the Lightning Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now, here again is Eric. Yeah, and they even talked about doing like two weeks in a city and then going away for a week and then coming back. I don't know how feasible that is. I guess it could potentially work if they had to go that route. Uh, but I think you're, you're too far down this path now with the season set to start that you're just going to have to work your way through it. You know, you're going to have to be like Vancouver. You know, they understand that they're going to be without JT Miller, who was one of their best players last year for yeah. at least 10 to 14 days. And unfortunately, in a schedule like this, that's about seven games. That's a big blow. Game. That's a big That's chunk a big of the season. Yeah. You know, so that, that, like I said, they're just going to have to plow through it. And uh, I think John Cooper summed it up best when he was asked the other day about how Amelie Arena now won't start the season with fans. We know that that was the plan originally. They had reverse course on that. And Cooper said, basically, it's disappointing. We were looking forward to that. We love playing in front of our fans. It, just, just wait a little bit longer. Just hang in there a little bit longer. I think that's what it is that you'll start to see more and more people get the vaccine uh, as it becomes more readily available. And, and hopefully some of these counties start yeah. to get their act together a little bit and being able to distribute it. Um, it's coming, it's coming. So I think that's the light at the end of the tunnel, if you will, especially with how this is already starting out with the league that by the time you get to April and May, maybe the things that could be completely different. And we'll look back at this conversation and said, yeah, it's a good, it was a good decision for them to push through because here we are. We've made it just like college football did, right? College football finished their season. They had all kinds of issues, questions about whether Ohio State should have even been in the college playoff or should have played for the Big Ten because they had so many games canceled. The NFL made it through a regular season. They still got a few weeks before they can get through the, uh, you know, to get to the Super Bowl, which is here in Tampa. So they still have a couple of weeks to deal with, but they've made it through. I think that's the approach that you're going to have to have. Yeah, and I think also, too, the league, you know, a year from now, I'm thinking down the road, a year from now, how are they going to treat COVID when it comes to how they run their business and how they change things up or not change things up? Because, you know, you mentioned the virus is coming. It, it, it is. I mean, it's, it's there. And a lot of people will just say, look, no matter what you do, whether you believe in really strict lockdowns or whether you believe in the herd immunity, that a virus is going to virus. And there's not much you can do. And then once you get a vaccine, you know, kind of what you're doing is just taking different measures. And we've seen it in different states uh, do different things. And the one thing that's been common, though, we've seen the cases rise. It really doesn't matter. And I'm curious a year from now, two years from now, how will the league and other leagues, I think, react to COVID-19? Will it just be guys out you know uh, this week with um you know if, if a guy's sick of flu-like symptoms and you know two years from now it'll be oh, he's out with you know COVID-19 or are we still going to be you know look we may have to suspend a few games here we may have to uh, take certain protocols in place where a player has to quarantine for 14 days I'm curious how how all of that will transpire uh, again the more we know about this virus and and what it can do and what it can't do yeah I think the one uh, how do I phrase this saving grace, if you will, to get fans back in attendance and stands, correct me if I'm wrong. And maybe I read this wrong. I don't think I did, but the Buffalo bills were allowed to have what 6,000 people at their playoff game this past weekend. And the reason they were allowed to do that rapid tests, anybody that I, went into I, the, into the, into the, the stadium there had to take a rapid test and clear the rapid test before they were allowed in. 
that's, that's, that's something I think, I mean, even Eugene Melnick, who's the owner of the auto senators and I guess Ontario is about to go into another pretty strict lockdown here, like very soon if they haven't already. Um, you know, he, he came out earlier today, uh, reverse course a little bit because of what's going on in Ontario, but he did say that he put a plan together that he wants to submit to Ontario health officials that would include rapid tests for anybody that comes into the arena. That's something that I think can change things and get more people back in the stands. And, you know, at, at least locally here with Amelie arena, we know that there's no fans allowed for either lightning games or Raptors games through at least February 5th, which, Oh, by the way, is Super Bowl weekend. Maybe that has something yeah. to do with it too. Um, but like that, there are ways to kind of make this a safe environment and hopefully that's one of them. And hopefully that means we'll see fans back at Amelie arena soon because it is going to be weird in an empty arena watching an NHL game. It is. And you, and you feel for the players too. And you feel for the fans. I mean, not getting an opportunity to see your team in person for the first time uh, on home ice after winning the cup. That's usually a big deal. Ian, and you're kind of getting robbed of that opportunity. Look, the Lightning will, will figure it out, and they'll, they'll make it uh, a great presentation once fans are back in the arena. But um, it, it is going to be kind of weird on Wednesday being in that arena, and it's just basically the players and, and uh, a few media members. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be weird walking into that arena for the first time. Um, I, we'll, we'll talk about it uh, for sure the next time because we've got three games here on this Lightning homestand to, uh, to discuss it. Uh, before we get to our next topic, Greg, it's time to talk about our sponsor. Please support our sponsor. If you go to manscaped.com, use the keyword bolts, you will get 20% off any order. And as we've talked about, Greg, sometimes a lawn just gets a little too thick. <laughs> And it just needs to be trimmed a little bit. You know, I was... Use uh, any metaphor you want. <laughs> you know, it's funny is uh, on Twitter, and you're usually pretty witty, but I have to admit you had the wit of a 100-year-old man not knowing what was going on. <laughs> I, I, you have to read the tweet. You, if you can find the tweet, you have to read the exchange. My man dropped a really funny um, tongue-in-cheek... Uh, line and you totally missed it. Totally, I didn't <laughs> want to right over my head. It, it really, and usually you get that stuff. I do. Usually you get that stuff, but you, <laughs> you were just sleeping. And I, you know, like I get that. You're you're old. That happens. You have to make sure you get your shut eye. But Manscaped, <laughs> they are. I mean, I, I use them now, and their products. Just go to their website, as you said. But anything you want for good grooming as a guy they've got for you. And um, what I like about it too is there's a lot of different packages that you can, you can have. You mentioned the lawnmower. There's the weed whacker, which is phenomenal. Um, <laughs> there's the crop cleanser. Uh, all of these things make the very, most Very sense. witty names. Very witty names. <laughs> the, the crop care kit. Incredible. Um, but if you use our promo code, you will get, what is it, 20% off? 20% off by using the word, keyword bolts when you check I mean, honestly, that's a really good deal. I've it got is. my family members using it now, and um, let's just say they enjoy it a great deal. Yeah, it's, it's good stuff, and uh, make sure you check it out again, manscaped.com, keyword bolts for 20% off any order. Support those who support us, and that helps yes. keep this show up on the airwaves or download waves or whatever the new age is. Um, 
All right, Greg, let's, let's talk a little bit uh, about these outdoor games that the league has put forth. Um, cool idea. They announced that they're going to play two games out on Lake Tahoe. Um, the Philadelphia Flyers and Boston Bruins, along with the Colorado Avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights, will play outdoor games. The, the setting, at least the rendering of the setting, is unbelievable. It just if that's going to be the backdrop, it, I mean, that's just a stunning thing. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to tune into this to check it out. But you brought up this question. It begs the, the question, how come not for the Lightning? Is it, is it wrong? That's the first thing I asked myself. Nope. When I not. saw the teams that were mentioned, because we know how important I think this is to the Lightning organization. I know Jeff Vinnick has been behind the scenes, not behind the scenes, lobbying Gary Bettman that his team should be involved in one of these outdoor games. Listen, if you're worried about Tampa hosting an outdoor game, I understand the reservations. I, I think it's a little foolish when we've seen games, especially out in LA, pull it off. But I, I, I at least can buy it a bit. But to not have them involved, even if they're the road team, mm-hmm. so to speak, blows me away. Now, maybe it shouldn't. We are dealing with the NHL. Sometimes they get things backwards a bit. Although I think last year, I think they showed a lot of people that they were able to put it together and, and pull off something that a lot of people didn't think they could pull off when you know we were dealing with this pandemic. But why wouldn't you have the defending Stanley Cup champs playing in any type of game? I understand rivalries and the divisions are, are mixed up and, and maybe there's not a natural rival. And I get the Florida Panthers are there, but you, know, you have to win I think on the other side to make that a, a rivalry rather than just be geographical. But I mean, why wouldn't you have the defending Stanley cup champs involved in an outdoor game this year? To me, that doesn't make any sense at all. But then again, I don't know what went on behind the scenes. I, I have to think that if Tampa Bay was asked, they would have said yes, but maybe they didn't. I don't know. E, you tell me. I, I don't know any part of the, whether or not Tampa Bay was asked. Uh, but if they were, there's no way they would have turned it down. Just like when they went to Johnstown for that preseason game against the Penguins, which was just spectacular, by the way. I had the opportunity to do that when I was still working for the paper and, and, and cover that game. Um, of course, the, the home of the uh, Syracuse Chiefs uh, for the movie Slapshot. Um, but if, if the Lightning aren't going to be asked to do something like this now, when will they? Because – they are defending Stanley Cup champions. You have a Norris Trophy winner. You have a Vezina Trophy winner. You have a Rocket Richard Trophy winner. You have a Hart Trophy winner. He's injured, wouldn't have been able to play. But you have stars. Like, there's star power on this team. The only thing I can think of is that TV helps set it up, and we know how much NBC chases the ratings there's a reason why the buffalo sabers despite their lack of success over the last number of years yeah continue to be a prominent team on national tv because they draw ratings they bring in eyeballs and i think too often tv execs chase that instead of grow the game if you put a team like the tampa bay lightning in that national spotlight guess what you do you grow their marketability. So the next time they're on national TV, maybe folks go, oh yeah, I remember watching them playing that outdoor game. Man, they're a fun team to watch. 
like I think they're very short-sighted sometimes in looking at making these types of situations. I mean, there's only what well, is only three or four teams that have not been involved in an outdoor game now. One of them is Tampa Bay. One of them is Carolina. One of them is Florida. We know Carolina was scheduled to be it's an outdoor game. It's not a coincidence. Those teams. No, it's you, not. It's not a coincidence in many ways. I've heard this before. Part of me still doesn't want to believe it, but it's still the old boys' network when it comes to the NHL that. You know, teams like Tampa Bay and Florida and Carolina, even though they've had a lot of success since they've entered the league, they're always maybe on the outside looking in when it comes to participating in events like this. So maybe we answered our own questions. Maybe we shouldn't be surprised. Maybe it was foolish for me to sit there and say, why wouldn't you have a team like Tampa Bay in the middle of things? I mean, Vegas, my goodness, I understand the story and trying to grow the game that way. But you're making tremendous inroads in Florida and down yeah, south with hockey. And now that they've won a cup, this is the second time Tampa Bay's won a cup in their organization. Why wouldn't you showcase not only the organization as a whole, but, I mean, they have really good players. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you're talking about, no offense, you know, let's say the Florida Panthers, who have a couple of decent players. But, I mean, you're, you're kind of like, all right, it's, it's not Tampa Bay Lightning. No. Come on. No, again, with the star power that they have, there's no reason other than they don't feel that they would bring in ratings. But let's face it, in this set, like an outdoor game, maybe you could make the argument that it's sort of lost some of its luster going back to that first game in 2008, that snow, snow globe game between the Sabres and the Penguins and Sidney Crosby's moment in scoring the shootout winner there. Maybe you could say the novelty is worn off because, you know, okay, they're in stadiums. Yeah, they, you know, okay, great. They did it at Wrigley Field. Okay, they've done it at Fenway Park. Like, they've taken now, they've gone outside of that context and put it in, in, a, in a much different, and you want to talk about a picturesque scene this is going to be. There's no reason that you have to draw ratings. People are going to tune into that game no matter who's in it. And, like, I, I totally agree with you. I don't understand why the Lightning would not have been asked to consider being one of these teams in here. I mean, you could have taken, all right, fine. We all, we're all sick of seeing Chicago in these games, right? Well, guess what? They're a division opponent this year. You could stuck them right out there and play this game between Chicago and Tampa Bay. You still have Patrick Kane. Uh, we don't know if John Ataze is going to play, but you still have Patrick Kane, who's a big star in this league, a very marketable and recognizable name. And draw. guess what Chicago does? They draw ratings. Boom. You could have put a Stanley Cup rematch in that game, right? Because Dallas is a divisional opponent this year. There's so many things that you could have done to market this game beyond the opponents, right? There's a matchups you could have created to market. But at the end of the day, the biggest thing is the setting. It's Lake Tahoe in the background, this little rink on the side of this huge lake in the middle of winter. I mean, the, the pictures that that's going to produce are just going to be stunning, and it wouldn't have mattered who's playing. Yeah, I, I just I think a missed opportunity, and you know I wish maybe somebody would have asked Gary Bettman <laughs> that question. Hey, Gary, did you ask uh, Tampa Bay? And uh, I think that would have been an interesting question. Maybe when we see Gary Bettman next time, we'll ask him that question because I think it's one that uh, a lot of Lightning fans are asking themselves right now as well. Yep, and <laughs> it would have allowed the at least half the market here in Tampa Bay to see that game on TV because of the situation between Fox Sports Florida, Fox Sports Sun, and the uh, carriers because uh, as many people have been asking me and telling me about it, believe me, I know, um, of course, you can't get Fox Sports Sun, which carries the lighting games, 
on Hulu or on YouTube TV or on Frontier. Of course, Frontier and Spectrum are the two biggest providers here in the market. I got to tell you, Greg, I had a change. I've been with uh, Verizon slash Frontier for 13 years. I got to change. I have to get the games. I have to be able to watch the games. I'm changing. They're coming out to, to swap me over uh, here in a couple of days so that I can have the games on my schedule. It, fans are being, I don't want to say held hostage here, but in some ways they are. Yeah, they are. I mean, if you're going to want to watch them, you're going to have to make the switch. I mean, you really are. It's, it's unfortunate. I, I've never been part of this. Now, I know you had mentioned, too, e, that this is going on in other markets as well. I know Columbus is, is dealing with uh, some of these issues, and it just blows me away. It blows me away. Kind of, kind of like the outdoor situation. I mean, the first question I'm asking is, you've got the defending Stanley Cup champs coming back to try and defend their title, and you're running into this problem. I mean, I just, again, I know there's a bigger reason than the ones we're giving. This is probably more of a business decision, and it's just maybe a lot of people hadn't noticed. They don't get the games because, you know, we've been away from hockey for so long, but now people are starting to realize, wait a minute, I'm not going to be able to get the lightning this year. And now, you know, panic is ensuing. Now, you know, phone calls, I think, to your provider help. And, you know, maybe there's a push there to, to see if something can, can change. But it's not a good situation heading into the opener in this season because I think a lot of people want to get away from the craziness that's going on in our world today and just watch some sports. And if you can't do that, what are you going to do? Yeah, and I don't think calling your provider in this situation is going to change anything. Uh, these are not new circumstances. You know, cable networks and uh, providers go through this song and dance a lot. And a lot of times at the last minute, oh, we found a way to come to an agreement. It's not the case here. Um, with, with the success of uh, like Netflix and ESPN Plus and Disney Plus and all these streaming services that go direct to the consumer now, um, it's, it's, it's changed things. And my understanding with Sinclair, who owns these Fox regionals, and, and you mentioned Columbus, they're having problems with it. Uh, Colorado uh, hasn't been able to watch, uh, half their market hasn't been able to watch the Avalanche games. Now, that's a different carrier uh, and network that's involved there, but it, it's the same situation they're going through. But in regards directly to Sinclair and, and doing some research on this, they want to take it direct to consumer. Their, I think their business plan, their business goal is to take their networks off of all the providers once the contracts run out. And that's what we've seen because they've been off Frontier now since, uh, what, September, uh, middle of September. So you, you lost the Rays games. And by the way, that's next. People are going to realize they don't have the Rays games. Um, their end game is to have a direct app that streams all of their regional networks direct to the consumer for a price. And they're going to, they're going to rebrand themselves. They're going to be known as Bally's um, here. Uh, I think next month that's supposed to happen. Uh, so I, there's, if you're a fan of the lightning and if you're hoping for a last minute deal between these providers and the Sinclair group, don't hold your breath because I don't want to see it turn blue. The only way to do this is to switch to spectrum. And I don't know when the contract runs out, between spectrum and these regionals um you know the only other way to watch it would be on i think they're still on at&t um and i think there's one other in the market but that they're uh they're like an apartment complex type provider you can't get it direct to an individual home so that kind of limits it there you have very few very few choices you can't use the nhl package because the games are blacked out in your local market 
Uh, that, that has been brought up to me. So the only ways to watch it is the ma- ways I just mentioned, or if you want to find a quote unquote stream somewhere, or if you know somebody that has spectrum and they're willing to give you their passport to log into to the spectrum app to watch it, that's it. You, you can't go to Fox sports go unless you have a, an account with a provider. So it's a mess and I don't think it's going to get any better anytime soon. It is a mess. We invite you to listen. You can do that, but I, I get it. People want to watch and People got tough decisions to make, E. You know, sometimes you just have to pull the plug and, and go the other route, and I think we may start to see that too. Yeah, very soon. Of course, uh, people are also going to miss out on the uh, brand-new calls of uh, Dave Randorf, who will make his debut on true. Friday That's true. with Fox Sports Sun. All right, let's get to these questions here uh, that we've had come in because I've had a few of them. We'll start with uh, this came in from Chris Wright actually on Saturday when the team announced that they weren't going to allow fans in. He asked, do you think the NHL put some pressure on the lightning because there's so many teams that can't have fans? No, that's not the case. Um, We already know that Amelie arena was allowing fans in for the Raptors games. Uh, The plan all along was to allow fans in for the lightning. Look, the Panthers are still allowing fans in a limited number. Dallas is going to allow fans in a limited number in Arizona. Those are the only three teams the league had nothing to do with this. I, I think that this was the staff at Amelie arena being prudent, looking at the rising numbers, understanding. And I can tell you from a personal perspective, going to the Raptors game, not a lot of people or not enough people in my mind adhering to the protocols inside. I don't think that they wanted to be looked at as adding to the spread. I think that's what it ultimately came down to. And I think they're, they're hoping that the numbers come down between now and February 5th when they'll reassess this. I had a chuckle when you said Panthers allowing (laughs) fans in as many as they are. That that always makes me laugh. Proceed, proceed. Yep. Um, One here about the banner raising. Uh, No definitive answer. Uh, This is from Tampa Sports Girl. No definitive answer on whether the banner – you might be listening to this after the fact anyway, but as we're recording this, whether they're going to actually raise the banner inside the building before the game, they didn't say that, but what they are going to do is they're going to unveil a replica banner uh, in different areas around the Tampa Bay area throughout the day leading up to the game. Um, Let me pull up the information here uh, because it's, it's a pretty cool idea. And, you know, the lighting are very good at doing these things. Uh, but they're going to unveil the banner at the St. Pete Pier. There'll be one hanging at the Clearwater Aquarium. There'll be one at Tampa General Hospital, at Armature Works, at the fire station on Zach Street in Tampa, the, on the Riverwalk uh, near Ashley Drive in downtown Tampa, and on, at Advent Health in Bruceby Downs and Wesley Chapel. Um, so, again, I don't know because the Lakers, we saw the Lakers do this, that they said they wouldn't raise their banner until fans could be in the stands. We don't have an answer on that yet. The Lightning hasn't answered that question, but at least this is one way to share the replica banner with fans. I think you hit the nail on the head. The Lightning are pretty good at this stuff, and John Franzone and company, they'll put on a good show, whether it's tomorrow or when fans are uh, able to see it in the stands. But uh, something's going to happen tomorrow, and I think something again will happen once we're actually able to see uh, the attendance rise. Yeah, uh, from Don Golden. Uh, this kind of relates back to the Tyler Johnson situations. Uh, will it be hard feelings now that Tyler Johnson has been put on waivers again and will not be available for opening night? This concerns me because I think he is going to be an important player this year. I think we covered a lot of that um, earlier in the um, 
in the show here, but uh, it's, it's a valid point by Don. It's a valid question, but I think we, we, we hit the nail on the head that uh, I think Tyler Johnson understands the situation he's in. He's going to play like he's, he's a valuable part of this team because he is. Nobody knows exactly what's going to happen with Johnson, but I've got to think he's going to use this to his advantage and, and have a pretty good year. Uh, Gary followed up with Don's question. Uh, do you think this hurts Tyler Johnson's value going into the expansion draft next year? And of course, beyond the expansion draft, the trade route as well. This, this here doesn't affect Tyler Johnson. How he reacts to it could affect Tyler Johnson and what teams think of him beyond this year. I think I said this before, Greg, I had a conversation with somebody who had spoken to a, a, a GM around the league that said, Hey, I, I like Tyler Johnson at $5 million a year. I don't like Tyler Johnson at $5 million a year for four years. I don't mind him right. at three, yeah. but I don't like him at four. Well, next year it'll only be three. That's unfortunate that his salary number is what is the biggest drawback to a lot of teams. And uh, it's a drawback for the lightning. Let's face it. You know, when we're talking about getting under the cap and, and uh, being cap compliant, he was, he was the guy that they looked at to move. And I'm sure they had discussions with other guys, but his was made public. Um, I don't think it hurts him moving forward, but I think your point is well taken. What production are you going to get from Tyler Johnson while he's on that contract? Yep. Uh, from Kenny, uh, when Julian Breezebois explains his cap gym, gymnastics, do you just smile and nod your head? Look, there's a, an old adage in journalism school that they said there would be no math. And trying to follow along with all the gymnastics, literally, it's like watching Simone Biles twist and turn through the air on a floor exercise. It, there's a lot going on, and it's hard to follow. Uh, but eventually, it lands on the feet, and you understand, okay, this is what it's about. Uh, so I guess in a way, uh, I do just kind of nod my head. I don't know if I smile because there's numbers involved, uh, but it, it is interesting. And look, I, I appreciate Julian doing that for us and, and giving us an explanation of exactly what they were doing and why they were doing it it hurts your head. It hurt my head. Right. But I understood it better when he was done. It's like going back to class. It's worse. And that's one thing I don't want to go back to. It's worse because, um, at least if you're in class, you know, there's a test that you have to study for. I had, I had, I had to take all in and, and, and not, not study for a test. It's wait, you studied occasionally. <laughs> don't lie. Come on. <laughs> I was, a, I was a pretty decent student. I'm sure you were. I was a decent student. Uh, from our friend Prozemic, uh, what's the predictions on the upcoming season? Who goes to the playoffs? Who makes it the semifinals? And who wins the cup? Ooh. Um, yeah, different situation this year because of the divisional format. You're only playing within your division. It's going to be hard to get a read, I think, on some teams, especially the teams out west. That Those three teams at the top, a part of that division with um, Vegas, Colorado, and St. Louis – uh, probably going to have their way with some of the teams on the bottom part. So it'll be hard to judge them. But if we're going to sit here and make predictions, um, I think Tampa Bay wins the central. I think that uh, Colorado wins the West. Uh, everybody wants to point to Toronto in that Canadian division. Um, you know, they're, they're not the gonna... most talented team. Yeah, but they're not going to win it. Are they the best team? I don't. Know. I don't know if they're the best team. Problem is, is is that you know the Canadian division is a little hard to to kind of figure out. You know how good is Calgary? How good is Vancouver going to be with Brayden Holpe in net? You know, and now they've got this COVID situation. They're going to be without one of their top players for you know at least a week to ten days. Um, you know, so that one's hard. But I he's asking us for a prediction. So I I, I guess, man, 
I'm going to cop out. I'm going to go to Toronto. What's playing that? Can you go playing for the cup, Tampa and Colorado? Oh, for sure. I can see that. The, the, hopefully that doesn't mean they face each other in the second round, though, or in, in the semifinal round. Yeah. Because that, that's the one thing, Greg. We could have a Tampa Bay-Pittsburgh Stanley Cup final. How weird is that? That is going to be very weird. Now, there's some people who think Pittsburgh doesn't even make the team or make the playoffs. I, I think Philadelphia is the best team in that division. Would you agree? And the Mass Mutual East? See, I'm not like You're not sold on them. Philly's good. Don't get me wrong. But everybody's basing them on their what nine game win streak they had going into the pause. That launched them up the standings. The Islanders handled them. I know they they eventually pushed that to seven games, but the Islanders handled them. Uh, I, I guess another year of Carter Hart. Kind of gives you I think some... that's probably why a lot of people feel yeah. like they finally have a goaltender. You know, if you, if you believe that's been the issue. And, and their D, like Provorov is really good. You, you know, you hope the Gossespierre bounces back. Travis Sanheim's a pretty good defenseman. Um, you know, they got some pretty good role players there. We'll see if uh, Nolan Patrick can get himself healthy and in the lineup, former number two overall pick. I mean, they've got some really good players there. I'm not ready to crown them, though. I don't necessarily agree that they're the best team in that division. I think it still might end up being the Washington Capitals if they get any kind of goaltending out of Ilya Samsonov. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people are sleeping on the Capitals. Uh, I think that would be a mistake because I think that they can be a team to contend with. But that, I mean, let's face it, that division is brutal. Like I said, I mean, there's a chance Pittsburgh doesn't even make the yeah. playoffs. Yeah, there's going to be one or two really good teams that aren't going to make the playoffs in that division. You know, the right. Rangers are coming. You mm-hmm. know, a full year of Igor Shosturkin in goal. He was yeah. really good last year, and who knows how they would have played if he'd have been healthy to start uh, that playing round against Carolina. A lot of people sure. were picking the Rangers. I picked the Rangers to upset Carolina in that, uh, but then Shosturkin wasn't able to play. So uh, if he's healthy for a whole year and he plays the way he did, that's a tough team. Um, so as far as who wins the Cup, I, the odds-on favorite is Colorado. But I don't know. I like Tampa Bay's chances, especially if they get Nikita Kucherov back for the, uh, for the playoffs. No doubt. Uh, another one from Prozemic. Um, do you think that Alex Barry Boulay plays for the Lightning this season? I don't mean only as a replacement from Taxi Squad in case of injury. His his play is going to dictate whether he plays or not. Yeah. Um, you know, I, the thing with Alex Barry Boulay, he's had a great start to his career in the American Hockey League. Rookie of the year two years ago, second team All Star last year, has led the crunch in goal scoring each of his first two years. In, in his last two camps, when he's really kind of made a name for himself, I was waiting for that moment to say he belongs. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, it was, he was pretty good in the second scrimmage uh, right before camp. Uh, he was much better than he had been, but didn't stand out enough to me. So his play is going to dictate it. But let's face it, injuries is going to dictate that too. He is – they're carrying, what, 14, if you want to count Jamel Smith on the taxi squad, into the start of the regular season. He's probably 15th in terms of forwards on the depth chart. That's not a bad place to be if injuries start to strike. He, there's a good chance he makes his debut this year um, one way or the other. What's the skating like? I think that'll be the question. And when he does play, is he in a bottom six role or a top six role? Yep. Hey, he could, he could set up on the power play, second power play unit on the left circle or on the right circle. He's made a living over there on the AHL. Um, another one from Prozemic, uh, could you see Cal foot playing with Victor Hedman or is that duo with Jan Ruda unbreakable right now? I wouldn't say that Hedman Ruda is unbreakable. Uh, they were really good last year. I think the Atlanta analytic numbers will tell you that they were a good pairing. 
last year. But uh, I'm going to give you the same answer I gave somebody else the other day when it comes to Cal Foot and Victor Hedman. It takes the right kind of defenseman to play with Victor Hedman. Yeah. You have to understand how Victor Hedman plays and understand how you have to read off him. His partner has to read off him. That's not a good situation to put a, a 21-year-old rookie in defenseman in this league. You don't want him taking those minutes. You don't want him facing the tougher matchups. Victor Hedman gets tougher matchups. I think what we're seeing to start the year, I like this idea that he's going to be paired with Ryan McDonough to at least start the season. That means that we're going to get Mikhail Sergachev and Eric Chernak together, which was a, not a bad pairing at points during the playoffs last year. But I think Ryan McDonough is the perfect partner for Cal Foot, much the same way that Anton Strawman was a good partner for Mikhail Sergachev his rookie year. Somebody who's steady, who has poise, who has understanding, who can help, uh, I don't want to say protect a young defenseman, but guide them along and you know, show them and understand and, and, and just kind of bring them along instead of thrusting them into anything. I like the idea of Ryan McDonough and Cal Foot together. I'm not crazy about Cal Foot and Victor Hedman because Victor Hedman is a completely different animal. I think you're going to see all of the defensemen play with one another this year. It does make sense to keep Rutsu with Hedman, but it'll be interesting to see Foot and who he plays with um, because I don't think you want a guy like that uh, not playing as much. And, you know, does he play with a guy like McDonough, feel comfortable playing with a guy like that because playing with a veteran can do wonders for a young defenseman's growth, as we've seen with Sergachev at times and Chernak. Absolutely. Uh, last one from Derek. Uh, since you've seen some of the practices, what has Matthew Joseph improved on the most since his demotion last year? Glad to see him back in the lineup. Uh, it's so hard to get a read on what a player has improved on game-wise because there hasn't been any games. There's been two scrimmages. Um, all I can do is go off of what Matthew told us when we spoke to him early in camp about understanding what he needed to work on. You know, that was puck protection. That was working on his hands and the skill work and, and that stuff. He said he, obviously, with the extended time off, and he had a lot of time in the bubble, obviously, to practice with the team a lot and be around and, and pick up a few things here or there. He's worked on the intricacies of his game. We know the speed is there. I mean, it's, a, it's his greatest strength is the speed. It's the other aspects he knew he had to improve on. We'll see if that translates into a game. The coaching staff has seen enough improvement to Matthew Joseph to give him an opportunity to start in a top six role, at least while Tyler Johnson is unable to play. Um, that, I think that tells you how much he's improved right there. But we'll see if it translates into a, into a game situation. Be a one-man forechecking machine. I think that's one thing Joseph can do game in and game out. I think the hands, that remains to be seen. What kind of player is he going to be, a 10-goal guy? Or can he be a 15 to 20 goal scorer? But if he can create some opportunities just with his speed and forecheck, there's always a place for a guy who can skate like that. Absolutely. It's like left-handed pitching. You always find a spot for them on the mound. Um, and speed with Matthew Joseph is his greatest strength. Now he has to build on that uh, and make himself um, – in the lineup long-term because he's going to be pushed by Alex Volkov. You know, when Tyler Johnson comes back, either Joseph or Volkov is coming out of the lineup. It's a, it's a test. It's a race. It's yep. a, it's a competition, internal competition, which is always a good thing to see who comes in and out of the lineup. Anything to add, Greg? No, looking forward to uh, the opener. And then from there, we can really start talking some hockey and it'll be just fun to, to see the guys back on the ice going against somebody else. 
Yeah, it will. Uh, hockey season's here. Uh, at least the Lightning now have a chance to do something they could not do the last time they won a cup, and that's defend it. Uh, they do have that opportunity, and I think we're thankful in these strange circumstances that they'll at least have the opportunity to do that. Greg, my friend, thanks as always. It was great conversation. Hashtag great hockey talk. Uh, look forward to the next one. Hey, and I can say this now, I hope. Look forward to seeing you at the rink, buddy. Absolutely. I'll see you on Wednesday. Yeah, sounds good. All right, this has been the Lighting Insider dot com podcast i am eric rowlinson he is greg Lally. don't forget about our special promo code at manscape.com use the code bolts for 20 percent off anything uh, on their website uh, so make sure you check that out support the sponsors who help support this show all right next time we talk we're talking actual real live hockey stick around we'll see you next time save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.